You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, and welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network, a family of Auburn podcasts. Ah, this is going to be a very fun one. Uh, you can hear that I, Ben, am your uh, director today, and I'm here with Clint Richardson, one of the uh, the top guys on the podcast group. Clint, how are you doing today, man? I've been better. Um, I'm just kind of numb at this point. I uh, I can feel that. <laughs> I last night watching this game, I uh, I was thinking, how am I gonna be tomorrow? Am I gonna find a happy high road? Am I gonna need some therapy again? <laughs> Maybe some of both, but uh, I'm definitely glad to have you on here today. And uh, let's let's kind of dive into this Mississippi State debacle, if we can put it any way that's not that. Then please correct me. Uh, right now, the Auburn fan base is a little hysterical, I think, and maybe rightly so at this point. We all had very high expectations coming into the season. Uh, they have not been met. The high-powered Auburn offense that we have known from the past is looking pretty pathetic. So I'm just wondering, Clint, on your side, how are you taking kind of the way that the season has unfolded thus far? You know, it's it's really difficult at this point, and I've I've defended Auburn, and I've defended Gus, and I've defended this team every single week. It's been, you know, I, I've tried to look at this program and this season, you know, realistically, not the hystericalness that so many other people are using, and and it's hard to defend what we saw last night and some of the plays and some of the execution of it all it's you know it's just getting tiring it's you know it's almost to the point where Auburn football is just more of a chore than something to enjoy right now I uh that's took taking the words right out of my mouth (laughs) because (laughs) I honestly if we didn't do this might not have watched the second half last night and that's that's crazy coming from me because I've been through 2008, 2012, but I don't know if I've ever been to a point where I was just so disappointed I didn't even want to watch. Yeah, it's I felt that a couple of times, but it's just it's it's not in me to let that happen to to walk out of the stadium early or to turn the TV off early. I just I physically and personally can't do it, and <laughs> it might lead me to some of your therapy sessions with you. Yeah, well. uh you're welcome on any time, man. <laughs> and I, you know, that that's the kind of guys we have here on the E2C network is uh, the diehard fans. And regardless of how much pain it puts us through, we just got to trudge through it, right? Pretty much. So uh, I've got a semi-serious question for you. Can you tell me, what is a touchdown? Cause... What is targeting? <laughs> What's a catch? And this is just the evolution of those two questions. I mean, after last night, I don't know what a touchdown is anymore. Targeting, I've never known. A catch, (laughs) I mean, I guess if you have it in your hands, you get your feet in bounds, and then you go out of bounds and the the ball gets slapped out of your hands, that's not a catch anymore? I don't know. I don't have a clue. 
So uh, the and I, I'm not one to blame the refs, and <clears throat> that's something that we've had some very bad calls this year, and I've tried to stay away from. And I won't I won't blame them this time either because regardless of the 14 point spread that was the end of the game and the terrible touchdown calls, it's not their fault that we lost this. It's completely our fault. But it still needs to be said that the fact that we go in and score and fumble out the back of the end zone or whatever it was, and Fitzgerald gets stopped at the line, and both of those go against us, is kind of hysterical. There's no other way to put it. Do you have any other feelings on that? (laughs) Am I alone here? No, no, you're not alone. It's... You know, you would think in 2018 we'd have some higher quality cameras pointed at the the pylons. The, play, the pylon. Can, the, is it too know, much where, to ask for a pylon camera at this point? I mean, there are pylon cams, and it just seems like they're kind of hit or miss on which games they go to, which is understandable. But you know, it's. I feel like in 2018 you should not be having to fight to find a good angle at all of these plays you should you know 21 cameras plus there should always be at least one decent viewpoint and you know sometimes you get the player standing in the way but there there should not be any of these you know 480 quality photos that we're having to look through to see where the ball landed and you know it's just some of these plays just don't aren't going our way and it it's just the icing on this whole season it seems like (laughs) you know things aren't going Auburn's way and then you've got a couple of penalties and a couple of reviews that just pile on top of that and aside from those just the the whole state of the high-powered Gus Malzahn offense just isn't there this year and uh I mean the time of possession disaster within this game 18 minutes that was the only time that we had that 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 means 42 minutes was the amount of time our defense had to be on the field. The I I was taking really really deep notes cuz I'm not usually the uh the guy leading these podcasts. I I'm usually just the one shooting from the hip on the side, having a little bit of fun with it. And I got through the first half, 3 and out, 3 and out, where we then got a uh, a field goal and then another 3 and out, finally brought the offense together and then once again just kind of sputtered out, missed a field goal. <laughs> And then muffed the punt. That was the entire first half of this game. That's not uh, Auburn football. I just I don't know what's going on. I don't either. And you know I don't know how much the coaching is starting to question the play as well. But it's like you said, it's not Auburn football. Something is missing. You know, it could be it could be a million things at this point. Um, camaraderie, just the as Gus actually lost the. The locker room, like people want to think he has, is you know who's the leader stepping up. You know, I I don't have a clue what the issue is and what the answer to it is, but there are people in that athletics department and in those coaching offices and in that locker room who are much smarter than I am on this, and I I really wonder what they're looking at. You know how. I've always said that Gus's biggest issue has been forcing a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. And I last night, I don't think was that issue. You know, maybe 
putting a little too much trust in Stidham or not enough trust in the offensive line. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it's the, the way that this team has devolved over the last year is really frustrating to watch. And I completely understand why so many people are annoyed and frustrated, but I'm still not at the point of hysterics and calling for Gus's head and wishing that Stenum would transfer to Baylor again. And just, <laughs> you know, all the, all the crazy hot takes you see on Twitter during this kind of hot mess. It's, it's amazing what you can find. Yeah. And the thing is we signed Gus to a seven year contract and regardless of how you feel about him at this point, there's no way out of that right now. So not with that 39 something million dollar buyout. Yeah. I mean, your GoFundMe can help a little bit, but it's not covering that. No, I don't think anyone wants to give that much to have us probably hire someone else. That's worse. And the thing that the Auburn fan base needs to realize is that since Gus is not going anywhere, you just need to get behind him. I think that the fact that he's got so much pressure on him, one, he should be delivering, but two, it doesn't help when all of us are calling for his head after a couple of bad games. I'm not calling for his head, but I am disappointed. No, I'm I'm in the same boat. You know, it's it, it it's again that square peg in a round hole, forcing the same thing to happen. Gus wants his way to work and work the best way possible, and I I just I feel like we haven't seen him adjust to the game or to his roster and what fits his team best. I, I don't think we've seen that in the last couple of years. And, you know, there's so much talent on this team that, you know, Stidham might not be the, the Nick Marshall, Cam Newton type of player that needs, that you need to run this offense at its best. But, you know, a, a good coach is able to mold his, his, uh, philosophy around what he has and and that seems to be lacking sorely right now i agree and a couple things to kind of point out with that uh something that i was really hoping to see in this game was a few more of the short passes not behind the line of scrimmage but within the first five to ten yards and we saw really two or three within the first half uh within the first drive we tried to throw it out to ryan davis but Instead of having Sidham stay in the pocket, he rolled out to the far right and then threw it out of bounds where Ryan Davis couldn't have stayed in bounds to get it. And within the third drive, we uh, threw it to Tucker Brown, who is 6'3", 289. And he caught it five yards down and then ran for four yards. And we still had a three and out because we couldn't. We had Cam Martin run up the middle and fall down right after that. But I've got to say... That was probably the highlight of the first half, was watching Tucker Brown catch that ball and rumble and bumble after four yards. The deep fret tight end. <laughs> tight end at 289. <laughs> My gosh, that man is awesome. Uh, so the offensive line has been probably the biggest issue within the team this year, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. The running situation, we continue to give the ball to Cam Martin, I just don't understand why. I I know Booby was hurt. We had to bring him in. And when we did, he exploded. He's really the 
only flash that we have in the pan for all of the running team. And when you have that, those two, why aren't we utilizing the pass more? I mean, because your your quarterback can't hit a a, a <laughs> wide open wide receiver. I mean, that that play, that reverse uh, flea flicker style deep pass to Slayton was so frustrating. Yeah, and you know, I, I get that Stidham had pressure. But he had, I thought, enough time to set his feet and put a little bit of air under it. And some people are complaining about Slayton not running hard enough. But those are the kind of plays that if you're expected to be a top NFL draft pick, you have to hit that. No. And and that that's why you're not relying on the run as much because you can't. I mean, Auburn has been really bad about going one-dimensional lately and very predictable and and knowing they're going to run it up the middle and it's not going to do anything i mean i don't know how many times gus has actually called a different play when they actually do the hurry up no huddle after a first down it's always uh an isolation run up the middle by the running back you know it's it's so easy to predict what gus is doing from the couch (laughs) that is true and if we can do it at home, you know for sure the defense coordinator and all of his team that have watched hours and hours of film are doing the exact same thing. Uh, that's that's a good point because, I mean, Slayton, there was no one around him for 20 yards. All he had to do is get it close. And I I feel like Stidham has zero poise, and he's more afraid of getting hit than he is of making passes. And rightly so he's been hit a lot his jersey was as dirty as i've ever seen a quarterback's jersey on the road that shouldn't happen at the same time you've got to be able to release the ball and one thing that you said clint that i really like and i was telling my dad this last night as we were texting back and forth stedham refuses to plant his feet and pass the ball he keeps trying to he's not a mobile quarterback he's a pocket passer and for whatever reason, he continues to roll around and then just willy nilly toss it up there. And he's gonna be a he's gonna be the perfect Jacksonville Jaguar quarterback. <laughs> I uh I'm sorry that you've had two teams disappoint you this weekend. <laughs> it's been a rough weekend, I'll tell you that. So what has happened to Sidham? Is there anything that you can add to maybe help us understand where he's at at this point? I think I think Stidham's issues all spur from the offensive line. You know, they can't they can't give Stidham any time in the pocket and he's so nervous being in the pocket knowing that he's probably gonna get hit that he bails out way too early and he's like you said, he's not a very mobile quarterback. He doesn't throw well on the run and he spends I, I wish somebody would do the math and, and realize just how much time he has done he has spent scrambling out of the pocket you know looking down Mm. for a pass or looking to actually make uh, a little bit of headway rushing but it seems like he just he has no protection and you know thinking back to last year he had a really good offensive line and was able to sit in the pocket and go through his progression and, and and hopefully hit him deep down the field if he had to but 
he has no time to think, no time to to look down the field, and no time to go through a progression. And it's, you know, you always hear about how when these players go up in talent, you know, from high school to college to, you know, D2 to SEC to college to the NFL, it always takes them a little bit to catch the speed of the game. And I, I don't know what Stidham has struggled with, but he has no collection on the speed of the game. It's way too fast for him right now, and I think a lot of that just comes down to the offensive line. If they gave him a little bit of extra time, I think he'd be a lot better right now. Mm. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, everyone wants to point fingers and, and give blame. I don't know if you can give holistic blame on the offensive line, but I definitely am willing to say full-heartedly that if they played better, the whole team would play better. So I think that's I think that's the biggest issue plaguing this team. You can't run with a bad O line. You can't sit in the pocket with a pocket quarterback with a bad O line. And those two issues have been leaving the defense out on the field way too long. And way too long is pretty much the story of this game. Uh when we look at the defense, the first half they played very well. Uh in the first half, I think we had eight minutes of possession. So they played 22 minutes in the first half and were still able to, on a questionable play, stop a touchdown at the end of the game or somehow give it up, whatever you want to say. But held Mississippi State to basically nine points in the first half. Then the offense didn't show up in the second half and things kind of fell apart. I I hate that Fitzgerald was able to break Tebow's record against us. I hate that we gave up 200 yards to that kid in Starkville, under all the cowbells. At the same time, though, I can't blame this defense. They played their hearts out. I I love Kevin Steele, and I love a good physical defense, and it's it's so hard to to find fault in the way they've played. It's It's frustrating at times to see big old number seven not get touched until he's crossing the yellow line, and... I think that's just a scheme and matchup issue, but the the ferocity and the intensity that this defense plays with is is really going to be a lot of fun to watch and probably the only thing enjoyable to watch the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And Deshaun Davis, it looked like he broke his leg in the middle of the game, and then he came back on a couple plays later. Kyle's favorite player for a reason. That he's he's. He's so much fun, and, and uh, I don't know if you saw it today, Ben, but um, Bruce Pearl even posted on Twitter inviting Deshaun to be part of the basketball team <laughs> once he finishes his football career. It's like, that's the kind of guy I want in my locker room. Oh, that's so true. I mean, just the heart, the heart to keep fighting, putting your body Absolutely. on the line week after week when you're getting no other help from the other side of the football. Ah, that I really hope we can retain Kevin Steele because he's got to be extremely frustrated right now with putting his guys out there on an island, basically, having to carry this whole team. It's uh, I'm wondering kind of the state of his mind. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, a couple other highlights from the defense is uh, Jeremiah Denson, another week in a row, got an interception. Uh, one thing that we can always kind of depend on is when we're in a difficult situation the defense delivers 
and we just need to find a way to and take advantage of the delivery and take it home. It's uh, it's difficult when I see the defense playing every single down, besides the Fitzgerald issue, making plays, making tackles, putting their bodies on the line, and then it just goes nowhere. So uh, my hat is off to the entire defensive players and staff for being able to fight through this game even after how disappointing it was on the offensive side. I think there's points in all games that you can point to and say, you know, the defense could have done better here, and, and that's that's natural. You're going to want to see better performance no matter what. But this defense has done its job and given Auburn as many opportunities to win a football game as you could ask for. And it's it's got to be so incredibly frustrating for those players to to compete at such a high level and not be rewarded for it, you know, when they turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. So on the special team side, it's a it was kind of a weird game there as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing in the first half was the Ryan Davis muffed punt. Uh, say that didn't happen, probably a completely different second half of the game. Maybe even we drive down and tie up the game or, you know, take the lead in the half. But, uh a frustrating little play of events there. And then Carlson, once again, one for two. Just kind of putting him out 40-plus yards. It's kind of a toss-up. However, that second kick, did you see... I, I definitely watched, and one of my players to watch for this game was Ian Channon and holding because the snaps have not been the best. And on the first kick, Ian Channon held perfectly, and it was you know straight through the uprights. On the second, Carlson missed, like, probably 20 or 30 yards wide left. It was as as big of a miss as you can have. Did you notice anything on that of why that came to play like that? I I, I have noticed the, the bad snaps and, and Ian Shannon doing a great job to to hold the ball, like you mentioned last week. Um, I, I didn't really notice anything for that missed kick. You know, if you ever talk to special teamers, they always talk about how much timing is so important and if uh, Anders had to stutter step or just take a split second to you know wait for the snap or Shannon to hold the ball whatever it was that's always going to mess them up but you know Daniel was so good at being able to adjust and no matter what hit it down the middle and you know it's I, I can't find any fault in in Anders right now you know I'm I'm a big proponent of you know, paying your dues, and he's in here as a freshman struggling, and, you know, I don't think any of his misses have really come back to bite Auburn too hard, but, you know, you, you've probably got Anders, you've got a Carlson leg for another four years. I would much rather this kid struggle right now than struggle later on in his career. Yeah, we can't really blame Carlson for the the really pathetic spots that we give him to kick the ball. I mean, with him being a true freshman, I understand his heritage, and we've gotten to deal with Daniel Carlson the past four years. But we've got to be able to move the ball at least 10 yards. And even after a uh, the interception, we couldn't even do that. It, yeah. It's just... I'm beating a dead horse. Uh, my MVP for the first half was Australian Aaron who uh, 
had three punts with an average of 47 yards. So, uh, I mean, what can you say about that? That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. He's been able to flip the field quite well and has really performed as a freshman. Last part of the special teams I wanted to touch on was kind of the the backbreaker of this game, maybe. That blocked field goal when it mattered most, and then we did nothing with it. The <laughs> defense came out to play. They stopped Mississippi State within their own red zone, and then we block a field goal and still can't make anything of it. it it's not like we didn't have our chances in this game. We definitely did. We had multiple red zone appearances where we couldn't even put the ball in the end zone from the six. At this point, I don't really know what to say. Uh, so I guess I'll take it to final thoughts. Clint, final thoughts on this game, sir? Uh, it's it's just the culmination of everything that's frustrated Auburn fans and Auburn football players all season long. And I I have... A lot of faith in this team and a lot of faith in the players especially I just I want to see Gus and this offense show that they are able to adapt and show that they aren't just blind to what so many people are seeing on TV and in the stand again if the, the armchair quarterback and armchair coaches can kind of figure this out I just you know part of me is just wanting Gus to come out after the game or for his Tuesday press conference and say, yes, I realize that we have really struggled in these areas and this is what we're going to do to fix it. You know, nothing to, you know, jeopardize the games and to, to tell too much, but it's, you know, Gus has a reputation of not saying enough or not saying a lot at these events. And at this point, it's just, it'd be really nice to see him admit some faults and, and, you know, put, give the fans something to look forward to, whether that's him changing or, or or what. But it's you know, it's almost like he's he's blind to what's actually going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely and, and I love and I love Gus. So it's I do all, too. You know, I fair criticism. I think I but think not I, saying I, I enough is see true. Gus succeed. I want Gus to succeed. I want Auburn to succeed. And that's I think that's what makes this game and so many other games like it so frustrating for so many people. Yep. It's not that the the better team lost so much as it was that we didn't prove that we were the better team. You know, and I, I said that in our group chat last night. I don't know if any of the losses that Auburn has had the last year and a half, if Auburn has actually gotten beat by a better team. It's that Auburn hasn't been able to capitalize and show that they are actually the better team. Yep. We beat ourselves a lot. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So, it's funny. Uh, I guess final thoughts for me is after every game, I'm getting really tired of hearing the coaching staff say, you know, we just need to play better. Uh, we need to coach better. We need to perform better. We need to execute better. Uh, I've heard it a lot, and uh, I think that <laughs> If we don't do any of those things, like we have in the last couple of weeks, it'll be tough to get another SEC win. And, uh, I mean, Ole Miss should be. Tennessee should be. A&M, we'll if see. If you following Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, definitely come back and listen to uh, our pregame for Tennessee. But uh, big, big favorites right now. But 
we'll see how that changes. Uh, one last thing I wanted to, to kind of point out for you, Clint, especially with your background, those pink socks. <laughs> As the uniform database man, how do you feel about... And first, I'm a huge thing for breast cancer awareness. I think it's great. How do you feel about changing the uniforms, though, and putting on pink socks or whatever? Does does that do anything? And you would you love, ever you see Auburn doing that? <laughs> you gotta love Pinktober. And no, I don't see Auburn doing it. Um, I think it was 2013, Auburn actually wore the pink ribbon on the back of the helmet, and that's it. They've never really gone into that too much. Um, you know, for for the cancer awareness and the military appreciation and support the troops and, and whatever else it is, it's all it's all great. You know, people need to the, these things are all important. But my my thinking now is at what point does a good gesture no longer be a good gesture? You know, if it's if you're expected to wear pink or you're expected to say you support the troops, does that mean, like, does Auburn not support the troops because they don't wear camo? Does Auburn not care about breast cancer and any other kind of cancer because they don't wear pink? I think it's just become so ingrained in the mindset that, all right, you know, we have to wear pink at some time this year. We have to think about the troops this day, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost as if it's a requirement now, and especially over on the NFL side. The NFL has been berated time and time again because they sell pink gear, they sell camo gear, and now, starting last year, they do a crucial catch, so it's all cancers ripped into one. But I think it was less than 10% of the proceeds actually went to the organizations that they said money was going to and it's it's all to move merchandise and it's all to do this kind of stuff and the gesture is great but at what point is it too much yeah. maybe a little bit of fun to, to leave the listeners on after kind of a a uh, difficult game review to say the <laughs> least all right clint so as we uh, head out can you give your social media contact for the listeners you can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com. And for me, anywhere on social media, B-E-N-K-1-N-G. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger. War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? <laughs>